Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about empowering women entrepreneurs. Women are currently majority owners of 38% of U.S. small businesses and generating more than $1.6 trillion in revenue each year. It is estimated that women entrepreneurs are expected to control more than $22 trillion. Joining us is Michelle Tabard, an entrepreneur and founder of Her Power Space, which is a place where women entrepreneurs can meet, collaborate, and conduct business. Michelle will be giving us tips on how we can stay motivated in these times and continue to strive for success in our businesses. Michelle is giving all of you a gift, a free PDF download. Make sure you listen to find out more. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. How are you, D? Vicky, how are you? Oh, I'm making it. I'm making it. You know, what can I say? Every day above ground is a great day. <laughs> That's how I look at it. And we are still yes. we are still social distancing and doing the we things are. that we need to do, right? Yes, we are trying to stay safe. Trying to stay safe. And it's sunshine, so I can, I can yeah. feel good. Yeah, we had kind of a monsoon last week, but... The last couple days have been beautiful. I passed by your house. Your yard looks beautiful. Well, thank you. We got some flowers going on and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and, would say, go ahead, my sister. Well, thank you. We tr- we try. Doing a little, making the neighborhood look a little good. Hey, I'm just trying to keep up with you. I haven't, I haven't, have you no, gone? No, no, <laughs> Have you gone swimming no. this year yet? Yes. Yes, I'm not going back to the gym anytime soon. I just, I'm not feeling comfortable yeah. in that environment. I'm not feeling comfortable in a public pool. I, I know. remember during the polio epidemic and during the typhoid fever back in the 50s, I was, you know, a child then, but I remember my parents, they shut down the swimming pools and so forth. And not that COVID is spread by chlorine water, but it's certainly spread by people. Mm-hmm. So... I'm happy right in my backyard, me, myself, and I, the three people that I love the most, <laughs> me, myself, 
and I, as Beyonce said. That's it. And you're you're at least you know you safe then. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't have to deal with anybody else but those three people. Me, myself, and I. And that's it. <laughs> well go ahead, D. Go ahead, D. That's it. Well, today we talk about empowering women entrepreneurs. And so what can we do to inspire and help women to continue to create and build their own businesses? According to the National Association of Women Business Owners, today there are more than 11.6 million women-owned businesses in the U.S. data, and it shows since 2007, the number of women-owned firms has grown at five times the national average, with 1,072 new women-owned firms starting every day. And so women are currently majority owners of 38% of U.S. small businesses, with these businesses employing nearly 9 million people and generating more than $1.6 trillion in revenue each year. And so by 2020, women is predicted that women are expected to control more than $22 trillion. And so the Business Wire, they reported that women of color represents 39% of the total female population in the U.S., but account for 89% of the net new women-owned businesses per day, and that's 1,625 over the past year as of 2019. While the number, and this is key, while the number of women-owned businesses grew 21% from 2014 to 2019, firms owned by women of color grew an astonishing 43%, and African-American women owned Um, firms grew even faster at 50%. An estimated 6.4 million women of color-owned businesses employ nearly 2.4 million people and generate $422.5 billion in revenue. But even as new minority-owned businesses are opening, the revenue disparity is increasing. In 2014, minority-owned businesses averaged 67800 in revenue. By 2019, the average had dropped to approximately um, 65000 a decline of 3%. I can just imagine the impact that the COVID-19 pandemic has had on women-owned businesses, most especially for African-American women. What do you think, Dee? Oh, no question about it. I know, no question about it. especially with all of the opening and the shutting down and the reopening. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's a mess. But we have joining us today, Michelle Talbert, an entrepreneur, creator, and founder of Her Power Space. Her Power Space is a place where women entrepreneurs can meet and collaborate with a client that can conduct business, set up training, and also you know, host their podcast show all in the brick and mortar space in Sunrise, Florida. And Michelle will be sharing with us her inspiration 
for starting this unique space for women entrepreneurs. She will also be giving us tips on how we can stay motivated in these times to seek our dreams and be successful entrepreneurs. And so we can't wait to hear from her today. Right, D? Right. Cannot wait. Yes. Looking forward to that. Yes, indeed. And so people, make sure you go, make sure you go and subscribe to the show. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and any of the places that you listen to your podcasts. And when you subscribe to this podcast, you are the first to receive notifications when we post a new show, and you are able to keep up on what we are doing, and you will not miss out on the powerful and inspirational guests that are scheduled to come on our show and share with us all of the good information for us to live a healthy and prosperous life. So make sure, guys, make sure you go and subscribe today to this show. It's all about health and fitness. And last but not least, make sure you check out our health and wellness website, www.vickydofitness.com and sign up for our newsletter email list to see all of the updates about our new training and online programs. We have transitioned some of our programs to be conducted online. And right now we are showcasing our step-by-step weight loss bootcamp masterclass online program. And we are hosting health wellness webinars and seminars and so forth for you to participate in, which will also include a Vicky Doe Fitness open house so that you can learn more about this signature online program, our step-by-step weight loss boot camp masterclass. And so make sure you go sign up to our newsletter, our email list, because you will be the first to find out information the dates when we are conducting our live free training and workshops, and it's coming your way. And you do not want to miss out on this opportunity to learn and to participate in healthy living, but also to participate and to be able to transform your life into a healthier you. And in other words, you know, start living. And so if you want to find out more about our online training programs, you can also go to www.vickydofitness.com forward slash training. Um, go check us out, folks. You know, I can't wait for you to share with us your story and your healthy transformation and just to connect with you. And D, what do we always say on this show? <laughs> we say thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Yes, and thank you, all of you for your support. Sunshine is good. We've been blessed to have plenty of those good sunshine-filled days, you know, where we can go out and exercise and walk. And there's a friend of both of ours, Mark Paco, you know, he owns the Metro Monthly. You know, he's always showing me pictures of his garden that he has. And it's so I mean, oh, he I has, haven't seen those. Yeah, I got to share it with you. He has so much in his garden. It's, it's so unique. He wow. has a, he has tomatoes and cabbage, and it's just very interesting. And so he is definitely, I told him, if something happened and, and the stores, grocery stores shut down and we can't he have. He has a park over <laughs> in his house. 
<laughs> we got to go to his house, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. And so, yeah, a lot of folks are enjoying the good weather up here in um, Northeast Ohio. And yes, you know, it changes your mood. You know, you're more relaxed and happy. And well, that's what happens, you know, to me. I don't know. What happens to you, D, with all the sunshine? Do you, do you notice a difference? Well, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a sun worshiper. I shouldn't be because of squamous cell cancer. But I, I'm at that age where, you know, you have to worry about your vitamin D. And we don't get so much of that in Northeast Ohio. So I'm just taking advantage of being in the sun trying to suck up as much of that vitamin D and take my calcium as much as possible for my bones. So I use that as an opportunity. And then I just I just enjoy the opportunity of the sunshine, sitting in my backyard with my pool, and just convening with nature. Yes. You know, there's something to say about solitude mm-hmm. and just, you know, convening with nature. Just, you know, as I said on Facebook, relaxing. Relaxing. That's it. How was your week? Did you do some shellaxing this week? <laughs> so I did a lot of shellaxing. I, um, you know, went down to where I go sometimes to southern Ohio and went out on the lake on a boat with my friend. And just kind of, again, another one of those staying away from people, social distancing, but again, you know, enjoying nature and then getting away from the hustle and bustle of the city and people. Right. But, you know, I'm in I'm in every day with us, and you know, with your honey sweet. We're in the trenches every day. Walking in that hospital is a whole nother different ball game. Big time. And you really need to decompress mm-hmm. on the weekends when you come out of there. I'm sure that, you know, Dr. Nate feels the same way where you just really need mm-hmm. to decompress. People don't understand that today, how much stress we're under, but we just need to decompress. And I so enjoy taking advantage of that when I can. I know. And then also with the weather, agreeing to that so you can enjoy and chillax in good weather. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what is going on this week? Everything. <laughs> Everything. I love when you say that. <laughs> Everything. Yes, indeed. Well, 2020 is the year of the eye. And so the American Academy of Ophthalmology has created this campaign, and it's called To Educate, Celebrate, and Inspire all of us to take better care of our eyes. And so the year 2020 is an opportunity to educate and the Academy conducted a Harris poll during the summer of 2019 to gauge people's attitudes and knowledge about eye health. And the results of this poll showed that Americans lack knowledge that could protect them from vision loss, which are the foundation of our public education, which is the foundation. This poll, I guess, is the foundation of the public education campaign. And so it's a campaign that puts the ophthalmologists and their unique credentials front and center. And so we are definitely sharing it with all of you guys today. It says on the eye health tip, one of the eye health tips and focus is safety Um, from UV raves, most especially during the summer months. And according to a national sun safety survey conducted by the American Academy of Ophthalmology, only about half of people who wear glasses say they check the UV rating before buying. And so the good news is that you can easily 
protect yourself by doing that. And in order to be eye smart in the sun, the American Academy of Ophthalmology recommends the following. Number one, it is make sure you wear glasses that are labeled 100% UV protection. Use only glasses that block both UVA and UVB rays and that are labeled either UV 400 or 100% UV protection. Now, D, have you ever, I never really paid attention to my sunglasses like that. Have you? I have, only because I, my eyes aren't that great. So, yes, I do. Now, I don't know about the UV 400, but I do try to pay as close attention to that UV protection with my sunglasses as much as possible, yes. Oh, okay. And then the second thing is to choose wraparound styles so that the sun's rays uh. can't enter from the side. So that's different, right? That is different because, you know, those racing glasses are like that. But, you know, I don't see a lot of women wearing those wraparound type glasses. That's mostly, I hate to say sexist, a man kind of thing. I know. That's different. And it says if you wear UV blocking contact lens, you still need to wear sunglasses. And so. Do you wear contact? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. I do have different types of shades that I put on, but. I have been laxing, so I got to start back putting my shades on, you know, especially in all this sunshine. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the ozone layer is practically nil, so, you know, you're just getting direct sunlight, all those UV rays. That's it. They also suggest that you wear a hat along with your sunglasses. Broad-brimmed hats are the best. They also say, remember, the kids, it's best to keep children out of direct sunlight during the middle of the day. Make sure they wear sunglasses and hats whenever they are in the sun. Know that clouds do not block UV light. The sun rays can pass through haze and clouds. Correct. Mm -hmm. Sun damage to the eyes can occur any time of the year, not just in the summer and their last tip would be be extra careful in uv intense conditions sunlight is strongest midday to early afternoon at higher altitudes and when reflected off of water ice or snow by embracing these simple tips you and your family can enjoy the summer sun safely while protecting your vision. And so for more information about the 2020 hashtag year of the eye campaign and eye health tips, go to www.aaor.org forward slash eye health. Those are excellent suggestions. I would also like to add to our audience, many of whom are um, in the older category with respect to the year of the eye, that you should make sure that you go to your ophthalmologist at least once a year, if not every six months, but at least once a year, to make sure that you that eye diseases are picked up early, like macular degeneration or that cataracts are picked up early so that, you know, retina specialists and ophthalmologists who are retina specialists, can be retina specialists, will pick up on disease soon and, you know, and um, treat some of them. So, you know, I would say it's great to, when you're young, but you don't think that, you know, you need an eye examination other than for glasses because a lot of, you know, diabetes affects the eyes. You need your eyes checked for that, hypertension and all these kinds of things. So I would say take advantage of going 
to whomever you choose as your ophthalmologist. And a shout out for me for my daughter's father-in-law, Dr. David Brett, who's my ophthalmologist. Okay, well, there it is. (laughs) 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 And so, yes, so go and get your eyes checked, folks, for eye health. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the question is, are we going to reopen school in the fall or not? And so that oh, is the question. I don't know, Vicki. I just don't know. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. I just don't know. What What's your take on all of this? Well, since I, I have been called to go back to the university setting, and that's Kent State University, they just got to be real careful, get a plan of action, and a, a true plan, you know, you just don't, you, as we say, everything has to have a plan. You got to pull out the guidelines. You got to get things right. in place. And then folks have to have a personal responsibility, meaning for older, you know, the college age kids, yeah, they can be irresponsible, but they are having, especially at Kent State, they're having where you got to you got to wear your mask, you know, and then for us instructors and um, for those of us that are teaching the classes, we can do what is called hybrid. We can have it online and then meet sometime in the classroom. Um, okay. I'll be doing dance as well, teaching dance as well. And, you know, I've been okay. in the process of trying out different masks that we can use, sports masks, for runners, for dancers that we can use because we have to learn how to dance with our mask on. But the classroom sizes are small. They're cutting those down and breaking those up. But, yeah, Kent State has a big-time plan of action on their website. But as for K-12, through I don't know, because it's hard trying to control kids to not be all up on each other. I can't see it. That's just the problem. And little kids, they bite each other. They exchange. (laughs) You know how bodily fluids, it's not not uncommon. You know, noses are running and this, that, and the other. So I I just think K-12, at those younger age kids, I just, I, I question that because of the inability for the teachers to control a lot of that behavior. But the other thing that people have to understand as well is that we're not just protecting the students. Mm-hmm. We also want to protect our teachers, many of whom have comorbid illnesses like diabetes, hypertension, mm-hmm. obesity, and so forth. So you have, may have asymptomatic children, which we know there are a lot of asymptomatic people, a lot of asymptomatic children imparting the virus onto people who may not remain asymptomatic. So those are the kinds of things. And then, you know, mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. So uh, it's, it's complex. It's very complex. But I know we have to do it. You know, kids can't stay out forever. And I do worry about the disparity in learning mm-hmm. for kids that come from homes where they have access to all the technology and students who don't have access to that technology, who are going to be behind. And then also, more importantly, not more importantly, but equally as important as we know, mm-hmm. that a lot of kids are hungry, and the only meals mm-hmm. they get are in school. Right. And a lot of these schools, even in Youngstown, they provide lunch and dinner. I know when we brought the elementary school kids down to the museum, mm-hmm. we had to make sure that they had lunch, because that might be 
the second only meal that they have all day. So these are the kinds of things that have to go into a reopening kind of process. Who's benefiting? That's it. Who's benefiting? And, you know, it can be done, I think, in a planned fashion. I do, too. You just Like you said, you need a plan. You just can't go running up and say, well, school's going to start and then run up into the classroom. That's just not that's not going to work. No, it's not. And so, you know, we got folks in different places. You know, some people are doing pushback. We don't know. When when I looked up um, some information on it, Orange County, you know, which is the largest school district, they have the largest school districts out there, won't comply with the Board of Education vote to return to the classroom. This was written on CNN. So people are voting wow. against it. You know, I don't know the reason why, but a lot of them are saying because they don't have specific guidelines, they can't. You know, it's just a lot of things that they have to put into place. But sooner or later, we got to figure out how to still go about our business, right, and live with yeah. this COVID. But Yeah, I mean, this is our new normal, and we can't keep hitting forever, but there are guidelines out there, and they're just what they are. They're guidelines, but they're guidelines with evidence-based medicine to behind to behind them. And I, I, like I said, we've talked about this before. I don't think it's too much to ask somebody to wear a mask. I know. They're trying to figure that out. Some of the school districts uh, are saying even if they stay online at the beginning and then get back to the school and so forth in January, give them time to work out the kinks or, you know, other things. So... We'll see. The option is, you know, whether to have the hybrid schedule or the 100% online uh, learning. So we'll see. Every What are they going to do? What's going to happen at Kent State, Vicki? Now, Kent State, they have it where we all go in August the 27th until November the 20th. Those of us that teach classes that can be conducted, um, the lecture-style classes that can be conducted online, we have the choice where we can do it, what is called hybrid uh, schedule, where we can still teach that online. We also can choose to come in and teach our classes, but the classes, um, they're controlling the amount of students that can gather. That's that. And then they're gradually letting the kids before school starts Go my into question, the, Vicky. Mm-hmm. My question is, can you dance with a mask on? Uh, yes. So, okay. Since I have to deal with that because you know I can teach the anatomy and phys part online, but you can't teach dance uh, too well online. So the studios are huge, and so it's not very. It's not a lot of students. We're spreading them out, but yeah, that's when I'm going to train us to dance with our mask on and so that would take you know that would take acclimation you know where we start out right. low intensity and work our way up it's the same concept right. it's the same concept but they're shutting that down the school after november the 20th then nobody going home for thanksgiving nobody will be able to come back everything will be remote then so from November the thirtieth, oh, wow. yes. For the rest, for the rest of the school year. For the rest of the semester, so there's no oh, holidays, wow. no holidays until 
Thanksgiving holiday. So once we in there, we'll be conducting, you know, the schools, the classroom with the different guidelines, wearing our masks August the 27th until November the 20th. And then after that, school shuts down and everything is remote then until December the 11th. Wow. They've been had their plan. I guess so. Well, kudos to Kent State. That's what I say. Kudos, kudos to Kent to State. Somebody, you know, sometimes you just have to take the bull by the horns and do it yourself. That's exactly it. And when I looked on their um, website, they got it posted on their website. All of what the the employees will do, what faculty will do, what the students will do. Yeah. So it's going to be something. So we'll see. Wow. Well, keep us updated. Oh, I definitely will. I definitely will. So the ladies, did you did you get a chance to really? You know, I, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on. So I'm flipping the television channel and I stumble on, which I don't watch all the time, Jada sitting on the couch waiting for her husband to come in and she was talking to the cameraman, you know, he's late, I'm going to get on him or whatever. And then I just thought it was going to be just business as usual, Jada interviewing Will because I heard some things about him being a father and this, that, and the other. I had no idea this was going to be the entanglement episode, so maybe you can fill us in, Vicky Doe. Well, I said... Inspiring minds want to know, how did we get here? Because I just have bits and pieces, and maybe you can scotch tape it all together for us. Well, here's the deal. First of all, Jada Pickett-Smith and Will Smith, they discussed their business at the Red Table Talk. Jada... And Will, they both had to come out, come clean because of the talk that the rapper August, he, I guess, let it slip out. Or I don't know if it was a promotional thing because he's coming out with a new album. But yeah, so he slipped it out that, you know, he and Jada had a relationship and Will Smith gave. Wow. And he, I guess, from what I've been able to glean is that he was in an emotional situation when he and Jada were together, I guess they had separated. Will and Jada had separated, right? Right. They had separated and August, you know, let it slip out or told it intentionally that Will Smith, and this is what caused the whole commotion, that Will Smith allowed them, gave permission for them to have an affair. Wow. That's when Jada and Will decided, you know what, we we got to, they were not going to say anything, but it became such a big thing. So they said, you know what, we're going to go and talk about it. And so to wrap all this up, I listened to it, um, but August was like a, a family friend to their kids and he came right yeah and he came in i guess he was having some mental and emotional problems and having difficulties and so jada was helping him and the next thing you know she i guess while will smith and jada were going through their issues and separated jada said that mhm she had an entanglement <laughs> She had an okay. entanglement with August. The thing was, and even Will Smith said it, he goes, oh, he goes, entanglement, entanglement, a relationship. That's what Smith, um, Will Smith said. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. She said, yeah, um, yeah, she did, you know, I guess hooked up with him, but it was an entanglement. And so, of course, all that hit social media, and now that's the, right. that's the new thing now, entanglement. That's the new trend. The new terminology is, Mary called me last night, my daughter, she says, Mom, are you looking for your new entanglement? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and so that's going to be the new buzz. That's going to be the new buzzword now. Entanglement. Entanglement. But here's the problem with all of that to me. Now, you can go on your red talk table and and do, you know, that's their business and so forth and so on. But that's kind of personal. I don't I don't agree with going out airing your business. Um, I absolutely do not either. Plus, they have children. Yes. You know. They have a son and a daughter. Yes, and then August was family, a family friend. That's kind of, and he was way younger. Right. He is way younger than Jada. So that's messy business. About 20 years younger. About 20 years younger. Yeah, and so she was talking about all this healing and things that she had to do. I said, no, she just wanted her some young buck. <laughs> <laughs> and I would leave it right there. I'm just going to leave that right there. I'm going to leave it right there. Do you have any latest, D, or we're just no, about the no same? No, latest other than, you know, um, I can tell you from our perspective in the country. Well, first of all, as we all know, there are 37 states in the United States where we're starting to see an uptick in uh, coronavirus. Now, in our medical staff meeting the other day, our group, sort of, at least in, in let's say, Mahoning County, Mm -hmm. uh, Trumbull County, we're seeing a less virulent coronavirus, but I'm not sure that that's the case in Texas when their ICUs are up to maximum capacity and in Arizona and Florida where they're running out of ventilator space, but they're going through what we went through in April mm -hmm. and New York went through in April. Mm -hmm. Now, kudos to New York because they not eradicated it, but their numbers are way down like what you would like to see when you go back, you know, when you open up doors. But I can tell you that just from our anecdotal experience here in Mahoning and Trumbull County, we're starting to see an uptick in patients being admitted with COVID. Okay. So the virus is real. The virus is here. I just completely continue to uh, tell people asking you to wear a mask is not, shouldn't be a big deal. It's just as simple as that. Wear a mask. We're not trying to take your rights away, your privileges away or anything. Wear a mask. You wear a seatbelt. I know. But they had to make that a law, remember? Wear a seatbelt. They had to make you that a law. You don't drink and drive. You don't drink and drive. You would dare not drink and drive. That's a law. Mm -hmm. You don't. You wear your seatbelt. That's a law. Mm -hmm. So you don't want wearing masks a law. You want to have your freedom, but just do it. What's wrong with just doing it? And one thing that a friend of mine who was from Taiwan said, that one of the, you know, that, that Taiwan is 81 miles from mainland, one of the reasons that she said, and I'm not trying to make any glittering generalities about any kind of ethnic group, but she said the Taiwanese are more like the Chinese in mm -hmm. that when you tell them to social distance and wear a mask and stay in, they do it. Mm -hmm. They're not running around talking about you're violating and taking out my rights. I know. And they went through SARS, and they understand the implications of a virus like this. So but when you're dealing with a culture, when all we want to do is run around and talk about our rights, it's not just your rights. It's my rights, too. Exactly. And 
we're just so stubborn. That's what I have to say. I said we're just stubborn and and kudos to public health folks because that's a tough job. <laughs> it is a tough job making people do right. I know it's tough. Well, thank you, D. You are welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about empowering women entrepreneurs. And so what do we need to do to provide the help, the motivation, the funds to help women to create and run their businesses? According to the National Association of Women Business Owners, women are currently majority owners of 38% of U.S. small businesses with these businesses employing nearly 9 million people and generating more than $1.6 trillion in revenue each year. The Business Wire reported that while the number of women-owned businesses grew 21% from 2014 to 2019, firms owned by women of color grew an astounding 43%, and African-American women-owned firms grew even faster at 50%. However, Revenue disparities is increasing and revenue for African-American women-owned businesses as of 2019 is decreasing by 3%. And today we have Michelle Talbert, an entrepreneur, the creator and founder of Her Power Space. And she is joining us to talk about her unique brick and mortar space in which she created so that women entrepreneurs can have a place to conduct business, build communities, network and host training workshops. She will also give us tips on how we can continue to grow our businesses, but also to be empowered to move forward, most especially as we face the COVID-19 pandemic crisis. So let's listen to our interview with Michelle Talbert. Now here with us today is Michelle Talbert, an entrepreneur, a mentor and leader and innovator and creator of Her Power Space. Now, 
her power space is a place where women entrepreneurs can meet and collaborate with a client. They can have a place to host a small or a full day conference or conduct a training or workshop. It is where women can conduct and do business in a brick and mortar space in Sunrise, Florida. So Michelle Tabbert will be sharing with us her inspiration for creating such an amazing space and place and how women entrepreneurs can be motivated and empowered to move forward in business. And so how are you today, Michelle? I am amazing, Vicki and Dr. D. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm just excited to have a conversation with you and your listeners. Yes, yes, yes. And Dr. D., I know you are there in the mix. What do you say to Michelle today? <laughs> well, Michelle, we're, we're really happy to have you back. Looking forward to talking about your business and about some things since we last spoke. So welcome back. Thank you so much, Dr. D. I'm excited to be here. And I love speaking with you both. So it's awesome. Thank you for inviting me. You have been on our show in the past, sharing with us tips on how to be successful and relating with each and other people at the workplace, you know, communicating, collaborating. What is your inspiration to kick it up a notch to actually create an actual space, her power space, for women to conduct business and meet with other entrepreneurs for empowerment as well, because we started out where you were, you know, going around giving inspirational talks, seminars, but all of a sudden we saw that you have her power space. So what brought that on? Yeah, I'm my own best customer. (laughs) You know how it is. You know, need is the mother of invention and creation. So when we created Her Power Moves, when I launched Her Power Moves, initially formally hosting monthly um, unnetworking events for women around Broward County, and we've since expanded. We have three chapters now, Miami-Dade, Jacksonville, and Broward County. We were actually hosting those events in different brick-and-mortar businesses around the county owned by women. I wanted to highlight those women in our community who had invested in themselves in a way that we could host events in their spaces. So we were in salons and restaurants and boutiques. But as the months would pass, it became increasingly difficult to sort of navigate that space because they weren't event spaces, right? And the entrepreneurs who opened those spaces, they had things to focus on within their business. And an event space, yeah, that's great. They can get a little extra income. But I realized that as we grew, both in size and in needs, it just became unworkable to work with entrepreneurs who really aren't hosting event spaces, and I'm just trying to have an event in their spaces. And I also had wanted to have an opportunity for people to have an ongoing space to come together. So it really just all came together over coffee. It was in my spirit for a while, and I kept pushing it down because I was afraid. I was like, I'm an e-commerce person. I don't know how to what, – what a lease, a, a commercial lease, like a monthly requirement overhead? Not me, right? <laughs> and over coffee, I was speaking with a, another lady, and she said, Michelle, there's this space available. Do you want to go take a look? And just it was, it was so fast that I didn't have a chance to talk myself out of it. 
I looked at the space, and while that space wasn't appropriate for us, I did the numbers and realized, you know what, you actually can make this work. And not only for ourselves as how power moves, but as a place for our entire community to come and congregate and get the services and make the connections and be open on a regular basis versus, you know, just the monthly connections in person. So that was really the impetus for it. And it, it's been, it was, we'll talk about the pandemic, but it was definitely an incredible um, I was just thinking about we, that, right. Yeah, yeah. We opened our doors on January 12th, 2020. I officially locked the doors on March 31st, 2020, wow. um, when we went on lockdown. Um, and then we were back in the space in early May. Yeah, all of us got hit with the whole pandemic, especially business-wise. But tell us more about, you know, mm-hmm. Her Power Space. What is it, you know? I, I know it's a brick and mortar, but, you know, how does it specifically help women entrepreneurs? Well, what I like to say is that Her Power Space is woman-forward, men-welcoming. So men are welcome in the space. It is not woman only. It's woman forward, though. (laughs) And so what we have are event spaces where people can host their events, their own community events or their business events, do trainings, workshops. We have a podcast and content creation studio. Every space is named after a prominent African-American woman. We have the Janice um, Bryant Howroy Dealmaking Office and the Tyra Banks Content Creation Studio, Sojourner Truth Conference Room. And all of those spaces are equipped with high-definition TVs, smart TVs, Wi-Fi, so that people can have this mixture of a community that they bring with them, but also the community within our space so that they can meet other people who can take their businesses to the next level. You know, I love um, networking, which is my system for having people make connections and learn how they can help and support one another and do business together ethically. And then we also host workshops for the community and people in business. So it is a mixture of both a co-working space, a business event venue, and, you know, podcast studio. And then also it is the home for Her Power Moves as well as the home where we bring in the public to participate in workshops as well. Michelle, my question is, and maybe I missed it if you mentioned it in the beginning, you know, it's all about money. So how did you, how, how is this funded again? Maybe you mentioned it earlier. We're a for-profit company, and people mm-hmm. pay by the hour if they want to rent the mm-hmm. space for a, a one-off opportunity to use the workshop or the podcast studio. And then also we have memberships. We also serve as a mail services, a virtual office, so that if you don't want to use your home address for your business mail, you can have a mailbox here at the space. And what's the added benefit to that for marketing purposes is that you can use it for Google My Business and Yelp as well so that you can market your mm-hmm. business even though you're working from home um, for the majority oh, wow. of your time. And so we charge for the services. We are a business. It's just like any other co-working space. We charge. Mm-hmm. Wow, that sounds great. And I, I have looked at your website and all of your wonderful pictures the space looks beautiful. Yeah. Yes, it, it really you. does. So you, you you did a lot of your interior decorating um, skills. Yeah, that is my passion. And I also worked with a, a local woman, Raw Maid um, Branding. Her name is Eden Alasco. And we worked together collaboratively to be really intentional 
about creating a space that was conducive to creativity, right? Because I think entrepreneurs are creative. We're constantly thinking on our feet. And also um, to have little moments where people would see something and go, oh, wait, I didn't even notice that was there and have it be impactful. Uh Um, So it's about function and also creativity. And we have a fountain and a courtyard that we face in, in South Florida, after all. So it's very tropical. I love it here. I really do. Now, if we look at the stats, uh, Michelle, you know, we've been hearing a a lot about the numbers of women-owned businesses, and they were up to 58% as of 2018. Firms owned by African-American women grew by 164%. If you look at other stats, it says 50%. As of 2018, There were 2.4 million African-American women-owned businesses. However, it has always been said that there's uh, what we call, what, revenue disparities. You know, we don't make as much money per year as other ethnic groups. It's also been stated that we have difficulty finding resources and tools to help us be successful as other groups. With your expertise, what can we do to change this uh, economic disparity in our community? And what resources can you point minority women entrepreneurs to tap into and then women in general? Well, what's interesting is to have this conversation in the middle of 2020. Big time. Because there has been a seismic shift, at least in awareness. And so due to a lot of the, um, you know, issues and, and the uprisings that occurred after Mr. Floyd, his passing, you know, a lot more businesses have taken notice that, hey, wait, there are black people in the country. Hey, wait, they're not being treated fairly. Oh, wow. Even in business. Oh, wow. You know, Vanity Fair just shot Viola Davis. Uh-huh. It was the first time in the history of the magazine that they'd ever had a black photographer shoot the cover. Wow. In 2020, mm. they've had over 3,000 covers, and this was their first time. So I say that as a backdrop to the conversation has shifted, right? We are now looking at what is going on in the African-American community, what kinds of access to resources are available, what can the quote-unquote mainstream America and corporate America do both from an employment status and from an entrepreneurial and investment um, activity. So there is actually a lot of momentum right now. There are quite a number of grants that are out there. I actually have them compiled on um, our website. We have a community website where I've compiled all types of resources from Essence to Hennessy. Hennessy actually has grants for small business owners. So really what, what, what's important is to tap into existing places where people are centralizing that information. Like I said, we have it centralized on the Unchamber, finding people who know are in the know, doing research, um, seeing what's coming out, because every single day people are spending the opportunities for access to capital that is specifically earmarked for black business owners and in some cases black women specifically. The other thing is to just, you know, ensure that you have a really good ecosystem around you of people who, who also are in the trenches so they can share information with you as well. And, you know, I think taking advantage of this moment, I I really hope 
that we do everything in our power to really put the pedal to the metal. I mean, there are a lot of corporations with large pockets, a lot of investors with deep pockets who are saying, oh, wow, I feel like crud right now. And I think we should take advantage of it. And I say that totally unapologetically. It is about time that they noticed we were here. Black women, year over year over year, have been the largest group of entrepreneurs, the largest group starting new businesses has been black women year over year over year. Mm-hmm. And we just go unnoticed like we're invisible. And the problem is, like you said, we make less. So it's really important to find networks. It's mm-hmm. really important to get access. And right now I've shifted the conversation to say tap into what's available and, and all of these grant opportunities and loan opportunities and competitions and pitch competitions that are coming out right now that are really going to help us if we focus on them and apply. You know, we have to apply. So, Michelle, I have a question. Oftentimes when in, in any business, you know, we, we my dad used to use this comment. He used to say that many times we're great starters but poor finishers. How do you think that um, minority women, specifically rather African-American women, can keep motivated with respect to their own business? Because oftentimes there are all kinds of barriers in the way to keep, you know, progress. And then, of course, now in the time of COVID, it's probably double. So what what would be your comment on that? Sustainability. Yeah, your dad is spot on, right? Because it's in the <laughs> well, middle. Well, he was born in 1905. He's not living anymore, but he used to always say that. And he's right. The middle is the hardest because it feels the loneliest. You know, you start out with the pack. And going the rest of the way, it can become extremely isolating. I mean, many of us have been up at 2 a.m., dealing with issues on our website, right, if we're bootstrapping especially or trying to figure out how some piece of technology or how some marketing thing will help us or Facebook ads or whatever it is, right? And so that's really the impetus behind her power moves. Her power moves started in 2015, actually, because I would just host pop-up events with women who I knew socially on social media if I was in their city speaking at an event, I would say, hey, do you guys want to meet? And that's how it started. So we actually started informally, but what I found was that we needed each other. And having these opportunities to both have an online and in-person connection is key. Mm -hmm. So wherever you are, the importance of your community cannot be understated because they're available not only for resources, but for the socio-emotional support that we need Mm -hmm. to get through this Mm -hmm. journey because it's not easy. So I say community. Community is key. Mm -hmm. And then getting the the right people, I think, too, um, we talk about businesses, especially for women, African-American women. I think it's important that we really stress, and I know you are stressing that, that you really have to be in business for real. What does that mean? Simply registering your name and all that becoming an LLC or registering with the state. I am surprised at when I go out and sometimes just talking with other business folks, folks think that they're in business, but they really aren't because they aren't really registered with the state. And so I think, yeah, it's important that we really 
teach and learn also as a community about business and what it means to be in business. That's my say. I totally agree because even if you don't register, there are ramifications for that. You'll be considered a sole proprietorship and you will not have any liability or, you know, you won't have any protections, right? So even not registering is a business choice if you choose to conduct business. Uh, I totally agree with you there, Vicki. Absolutely. But a lot of us do start as a side hustle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of the women in our community are side hustlers. They're professional. We have doctors and college professors who work by day. You know, we say uh, nine to five, you work at the day job, and five to nine, you work on a daydream. And it's important <laughs> to understand <laughs> to get the, yeah, yeah, but it's true. There are so many of us that are wearing so many hats, right? And so to get the information and understand what's required, you know, what licensing. And a lot of people, right, selling plates out of their house or taking cakes in and getting money for that. And there's insurance and liability issues there. But it feels scary. You just feel like, oh, I'm doing something I'm passionate about and people are paying me. But as soon as people start paying you, you really have to pay attention to protect yourself. I think that's the other side of the conversation. So if we say black women don't have as much access to capital, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And then on the flip side say, and we don't protect ourselves enough. Look at, look, just recently within the news, we saw that that lady antebellum, right? Mm -hmm. A big rock, country rock group. They had, Uh they formally registered their name as Lady A in 2008. But there's a black woman who has been performing under the name Lady A for over two decades, but she never protected her name. Mm. So when Lady Antebellum went and registered 12 years ago, they didn't find this lady. Or if they did, they didn't, you know, she wasn't protecting herself. So they went ahead and scooped up the name, right? So now there's a fight. And I, quite frankly, I think she's going to lose. Oh, she I didn't know. file. She didn't protect herself. So it's it's a, it's a lot of things. There's a lot lack of education, right? The people perish. That's not exactly how it goes, but you know what I mean. Right. And also having you know not having access to resources and information. Yeah, information. That's it. That's it. And so it's it. That's what your space does. I see. Um, you have folks hosting training and workshops. I'm sure you do mm-hmm. things yourself there since it is your space, right? Exactly. I have a partnership with Fiverr, and they um, work with us to sponsor our events. And and monthly, we actually moved a couple of them online. Obviously, that's part of our pivot. Um, But we were hosting events in the space on um, everything from setting up your business to legal issues to, you know, how to pivot now in the time of the pandemic and look at new markets and things like that. We're constantly educating our community. As we talk, you know, COVID-19 did come out of nowhere and hit us upside our heads. I know for me, you know, I was sitting here talking with, with Dr. D, and the next thing you know, I had to shut my little space down for my office. And then because I'm helping wellness out there in the community, in the schools, you know, that went crazy. So that was shut mm-hmm. down. But luckily, I could still work from home and do a lot of things online and Zoom, I think all of us, even Dr. D, we Zooming out crazy, aren't we, D? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, so things are kind of 
changing because we got to change with the with our businesses and we got to kind of go with the flow. And so, yeah, what do you do? How do you tell your folks? And then especially since you have to, I'm sure with you reopening, you got to worry about social distancing and all that kind of thing. How do we cope? with, you know, going back to business in this pandemic, what do we do? How do we, give us some, some tips, sister. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I can't speak for everybody, Mm -hmm. but what I can say is that, you know, sanitization and educating our community, social distancing, wearing masks Mm -hmm. um, while we're in the common area, all of this. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I'm going to just put it out there. A lot of the times, black people, we're OCD about stuff like this anyway, right? I'm not going to get into the washing chicken conversation, but I think that that's really a metaphor <laughs> for how much we're, we scrub stuff down, I mean, for the most part. So our space was already filled with Clorox wipes, and I've always had disposable gloves in the space mm-hmm. um, and things like that. In fact, at, uh, unfortunately, right before COVID was COVID, like full-blown shutdown, our last event happened when people were kind of like, what is this thing? And someone stole the hand sanitizer out of my space. That's when we knew it was getting crazy. That was like the <laughs> week before toilet paper and, right. and everything kind of went went sideways. But I didn't even realize, like, I had this hand sanitizer because that's what we do. We keep things clean. So now we're just even hype more, you know, more vigilant. We're hypervigilant about cleanliness and wiping things down. Um, hired a uh, local woman-owned, black woman-owned cleaner to come in and sanitize our space, and we educate our community about what we're doing to keep them safe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I'm not pushing anyone to come back, but folks are ready. Folks are ready to come back. Mm-hmm. And I just want us all to be safe. You know, so in terms of giving advice, I, I all I can say is what we're doing. I don't know how other people, you have to do what you feel comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are definitely keeping things at 50% capacity. We're mm-hmm. not going over 50% capacity for events. And we have had people that are booking events now. Okay, okay. So what do you say, Dee? Well, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's daunting because, you know, as they say, the virus will dictate all of the things that we're talking about. You know, all of our, you know, the things that we're talking about implementing and putting into place, they may be good today, but tomorrow may be a whole nother ball game. But, um, but as you say, it's all about keeping everyone safe. You know, that's what I, I certainly would, you know, would stress. Are there any role models that you have, Michelle, that kind of led the way for you that you, you know, look back and look on to somebody that um, helped you that you thought was a mentor for you? Oh, my gosh. It's not even in the past <laughs> tense, Dr. D. It's constant. And mm-hmm. I haven't even met all of them. Because the video, Oprah is a huge inf- inspiration to me. Tyra Banks, I consider them mentors. Janice Bryant Howard, half the women who we've named faces after in here are, um, you know, mentors in my head, if nothing else. That's what I love mm-hmm. about, you know, being able to read books and go online and, and look up information and really get great information. Um, so that way, in terms of the people who are more, you know, who, who have the notoriety. But then also absolutely within my own family, my cousin, Sakina, um, she has a salon. She's younger than I am. 
and she's been a salon owner and incredibly successful for years, you know, and her entrepreneurial spirit just completely, um, completely inspires me and always has. And she's one of the people who I look to and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting ready to sign a lease. She's like, oh, you got this. <laughs> um, so, you know, just, just having those types of people in my life, um, you know, who inspire me, looking at you and Dr. Vicki and just, you know, saying what you're doing and ensuring that people have the information that they need. So I think I take mentorship probably as a, a lot broader than many other people would. Possibly because I look to people to who set examples for me, but also I've had mentors mentor me one on one throughout various legs of my journey from in education, professors, you know, people who were my superiors in the workforce, people who were my peers in the workforce. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I'm constantly being mentored. And I know, you know, maybe folks didn't hear about your history, but yeah, you studied law at one point in your life. You are an attorney, right? I am. I, I didn't just study. I did graduate. <laughs> you know how some people like, I went to college. Right, right, <laughs> I right. I go and I did graduate. <laughs> I am a lawyer by uh, trade, but I am, not, I am not your lawyer. Anyone listening. So the stuff I said earlier was not legal advice. Yeah, I I am an attorney, yes. I am a corporate attorney and um, try not to practice as much as possible because I really do see myself as more of an entrepreneur. And I know that I have found my zone of genius and exactly what I am called to do in this world. And, yes, I, I get paid and charged to be, do the thing that I am called to do in this world. And that's very inspirational for all of us because the best thing in life is for you to be able to find your passion. And there's a program I started, uh, helped to start at Kent State University, and it's finding your niche and being able to work within your niche and find it and be happy, but also get paid. As I look at what you have been doing, because I've been following you, my sister, you've been getting paid and, and doing the things that you love to do. And so kudos to you. Thank you. You too. You That's do so great. great work. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you. Yes. And so what kind of words of encouragement will you give to women entrepreneurs, those that are trying to even start? It's, it's interesting how that we hear of women, they're, they're trying to start even in the pandemic because they're finding, you know, new wants and needs because of this pandemic. And so they're opening up and starting their businesses. But then there's other women, you know, like yourself, you know, and me, you know, we got to get back to the reopening thing and continue on at least on the other side of the curve. And so what words of encouragement would you give to all of the women entrepreneurs out there? The first word is grace, as in give yourself some. (laughs) Please give yourself some grace. I personally was in bed for at least two weeks after I locked the doors or right before I locked the doors but knew we couldn't really have any business in space because no one was booking. And um, the thing that I kept saying was that, you know, this is a global pandemic, but it sure as heck feels personal, Mm. right? It's affecting each of us, 
each of us, however it is impacting us, whether it's from health, finances, or just mental health, right? Uh, so physical and mental. So give ourselves some grace. This is not necessarily the time where you're going to write the great novel, or possibly, right? <laughs> or you're going to start your business or locate some niche in the market that, you know, because the, the means galore, right? Madam C.J. Walker, she was, you know, forged in the middle of a pandemic. We get it. But putting that type of pressure on people is also a problem. So we need people to give ourselves grace and other people give us some grace too to kind of heal and figure out where we are and get our footing. And then what I would say is ensure that you do. I'm always going to come back to relationships. Loving relationships, healthy relationships are the only way we can survive. We are social creatures. Mm. And so if being online is making you feel uneasy, then maybe find some folks you can go on Zoom with, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to consume everything or make all your connections through social media. Maybe carve out a niche and just interact with those folks and group texts and WhatsApp and things like that. Get on Zoom, have coffee parties, whatever, so that you can stay connected. Um, because that's really always going to make sure that we get through. And I always say your vibe attracts your tribe. So I never worry about who's coming into our group because if they don't fit and if we're not a fit for them, they will self-select out. And I always tell people to follow sort of along that same path. In the midst of all of this struggle, be around people who are your tribe Mm. because we have enough going on to have people draining us, you know? Mm-hmm. And so pour into each other, pour into ourselves, and understand that this is an unheard of time. Mm-hmm. Most, my grandmother's 93, and she wasn't alive for the last pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. So my mother My mother is 102, and this is her second pandemic. Wow, that's beautiful. She was born in 1917. And remember, so what does I mean, she, she say? remember, but she remembers her mother telling her about it. Yeah, so what does she say? What, what were that? Let's talk, let's talk to Dr. D's mom. Like, that's who should be giving us advice. Like, what should we do? Well, it was kind of funny. My mom said that her mother certainly told her about all the deaths and so forth. Um, they, she was born in Winston, in, right outside of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, but she said, she calls me Deanne. She goes, but Deanne, you know, she knows, you know, I'm a doctor. She goes, you know, but my mom said all those doctors that went into all those houses and they drank alcohol, they're the ones that survived. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> all right. But you know how there's some truth in jest when you think about it. What do we use to kill uh, coronavirus? We use alcohol and we use you know, um, those kinds of things. So maybe there was something to it in those days that alcohol and the oral pharynx prevented the, them from acquiring that. But, yeah, so not a lot of people are around to talk about that pandemic. Wow. That's for sure, and I'm going to have a drink as soon as we wrap this call. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you your mom, mom thinks. Yeah. I'm yeah. with her. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. Well, uh, Michelle, we just enjoyed you here coming on our show. And so how can folks get in touch with you and learn more about her power space? And if and if they're not in the local area, I'm sure they can connect with you online. So tell us all about that. 
Yeah, actually, if it's okay with the two of you, I have redone our email templates. I had an ebook that helped people ask for referrals and help people request, you know, appearances and interviews for their podcasts and people to interview for their blogs. Okay. And I've actually updated it and I would love to give it away for free to your listeners if they go to herpowermove.com slash allabouthealth. Okay. All about health, the name of the show. <laughs> um, and they will get those email templates, and I've updated it to include some socially distant activities to ask people. Um, it's really great, like in a LinkedIn environment, when you see people that are doing things you want to do or you want to get to know them better. So I've drafted uh, these email templates that you can use, and I also tell you the psychology about the wording. And I've used them to get cold get cold traffic to my podcast and interview folks for my old podcast and all different types of ways to make connections and like get, get to Gary Vaynerchuk and all kinds of folks using these, these email templates. So okay. I would love to share that with your um, folks as they're navigating this new space. Okay. So what is that again? The link? Herpowermove.com slash all about health. And they will get that for free. It's usually $17, but it will be free and available for free to your listeners. All right. And thank you. You can download it. It's a PDF. And thank you. Do you have anything else to say, Dr. D? (laughs) No, just thank you very much for all your your great work. Stay safe down there in Florida, you know, and and continue your message. Thank you. You both, too. Thank you for this opportunity, and I appreciate the good work that you're both doing for all of us. All right. Now, this is our show, Dee. So do you have some tips that we should think about? Yes. I mean, um, her interview, the interview with Michelle today was absolutely fantastic, as we knew it would be. I think a takeaway point for me was the ability that she, I asked her a question about, you know, who her mentors were and so forth. What impressed me was that she said she's continuing to meet mentors. And mm-hmm. I like her idea of reaching back, bringing forth, mm-hmm. having women to believe in themselves. And, and you read those statistics about women entrepreneurs, particularly African-American entrepreneurs, and she's providing the space, literally brick and mortar, for that to happen. So kudos to her. Kudos And to this her. is in a tough environment. I mean, we're now in the era of covid She's in a hot spot area, and so there will, as she said, there's been a seismic shift in the way that people conduct business, but I think it's not impossible. You just have to do a little bit of brainstorming and try to make it work. You got to make it work, and so I love it, and she is giving us a free download, and her free download is herpowermoves.com forward slash all about health. And this is an email template. This is an email template that you can use if you want to make requests for referrals or even to ask people to be a guest on your podcast. These are templates that Michelle has made available for you. She's offering it to us free and we appreciate that. We appreciate her offering this download. It is, make sure you go to herpowermoves.com forward slash all about health. 
And as always, for more information, go to our website, www.vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com. <laughs>